BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is brought to you on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com. Always use your head. And while this week in the world of nerd, the nerdosphere, if you will, was loaded with a bunch of news, one particular piece of news really dominated our, our circle. And so today is a one subject show, like one big subject show that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a lot about the Warner Brothers Discovery merger and how that has impacted HBO Max, how that has impacted the DC Cinematic Universe. I know our good friend David Ungar has lots of things he wants to talk about and really about all of the implications and news that came out today. It is a it is a low like putting together this rundown. I, I think I've probably put in more articles about one subject than I ever have before. Uh, and putting it on this rundown. But uh, before we get into all that, of course, we will continue our coverage of the Umbrella Academy Season 3. We're going to talk about Episode 3 today. We are also going to take a visit to the tra- trailer park. I put in a couple of really bonkers trailers in there that I just was thoroughly in- entertained by before going into uh, at least one trailer that I think is going to be fun and-, and worth talking about. And then the tail end of the show 
is going to be all about Warner Brothers, Discovery, HBO Max, Warner Brothers, Discovery, whatever the hell they're called, that big amalgamation. What's happened? What does it mean? Where are we going in the future? And how do we feel about it? I mentioned David Ungar. I am, of course, not on the bandwagon alone. This week, our panel includes plenty of stalwarts. Back after yet another successful draft. I don't know if I'd call it successful. You're, are you? Did you? You won your group, right, Reverend Reverend Ray Cash? You won your group. How are you doing in the big poll? Are you winning the big poll? I no, have not looked no. since this morning. When, I, when it first went up, it was fifty-fifty. Um, so I don't know yet. Uh, but um, look at us. The OGs are back. The OGs are back today with uh, with Mr. Aesop out and away, uh, doing comedy stuff or something. I don't know, comedy or wrestling. It's usually one of the two. Uh, it's, it's excellent to have you back Love you on the show. <laughs> are, uh, are you looking at it, Ray? Kind of yeah. changed a little bit. Oh my you goodness. Spoked? What's, what's, what's as of, as of 71% to 29. My God. You're losing. How many votes? 38. Damn. Strong yeah. turnout for the bandwagon nerds poll. That's, I that's even, good for I us. haven't even. I haven't even voted yet. Burner accounts. Burner we got to We got to We got to close the gap. There's Tony. so many votes. There's so many votes already, though. I don't know. I don't have that many. Vlad <laughs> voted. His wife voted. His son voted. Who can't even type. His mom voted. Everybody voted. Vlad. Yeah. You know what? We're just ever going to have Platt on the show again if he wins yet another bandwagon nerds poll. By the way, Ray, it is great to have you back. Uh, studio audience, how do you feel about Ray Cash being back on a regular episode? Oh, yeah. I, you know. Someday they're going to come around. I'm just I'm not sure when they're going to come around. All right. Well, we've heard the other voices of the other members of the bandwagon. I've already talked about him. I know he's got thoughts today. Our other OG host of Bandwagon Nerds, the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar. Dave, I know you're ready. You're ready for the back half of the show. How are you otherwise? I'm good. This is this is like an old school episode of BWN here with all the OGs in here. And I, I'm just, you know, Ray, two weeks in a row, I feel spoiled. I feel privileged. I mean, I really do, Ray. I, it, it brings with a tear in my eye. It's like the 92 rumble going on out here today. That's that's too much buttering up of the Ray Cash. Like, that's just yeah. that's way too much. Like, I, just because... <laughs> I can't be here next week. Uh, anyway, I made that. I made that one a little awkward. We also have, of course, the other, the, the final member ranting out the bandwagon this week, Mr. Saturday Night himself, Mr. PC Tunney. Uh, Save me from that really ill-timed joke because that did not go over well at all with the rest of the crew. Everybody just, it was like crickets. Yeah, you got no sold there, but that's fine. We got a lot to talk about today. Today, if you are a true nerd um in in this genre that we talk about here on the show then uh you're going to be interested what we got to say today because like you said tons of big news and speculation on what's going to be moving forward right and and that's like i said it was nuts the way and well like i said we'll get into it a little bit later but it really is it's it's going to be interesting to really break down a lot of what happened over the last week and so i'm excited to get to that but before we do that let us continue to do our coverage of the Umbrella Academy. We've hit season three, episode three. I know some of you impatient people who have already binged watched the entire show are like, man, they're like way behind. It's what we do. I like to do a deep dive, and I'll own it, it's me. 
it's me. I like to do a deep dive on episode by episode, really get to the nitty gritty of what happened. And, you know, we start with Luther in love. He's, he's dancing. He's singing tunes. He's making mixtapes. He, uh, I don't know. He's, he seems to be in a good place, fellas. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of his team doesn't miss him, which I think is it was a little fun bit. Like as he goes wandering around after yet another lovely evening with Sloan, he trapes his way through the city. He goes to stop at a newsstand to pick some things up. We get another wave that causes now more than animals to disappear. We see people disappear and he comes back all startled and ready to talk about this with the group. And they're like, well, we've got these other big problems that we're trying to work out this grandfather paradox thing that five is mentioning the, uh, the, the Sparrow Academy coming to coming after them because they think that uh, the umbrella Academy has taken their number one. And yeah, we also get a, we get a, just kind of as I talk about all the threads that go along here, Victor uh, is, uh, Luther learns about Victor and that it's no longer Vanya, that it's Victor. And, and Luther is probably the one who's had the most, who has probably the biggest transition issue in terms of just kind of coming to, coming to grips with how to, how to move forward. I, I don't know that it's out of a place of like, oh, this, you know, anything with a problem, but seeming to want to make a bigger deal. And and Umbrella Academy, once again, doubling down on in the right way, this isn't a big deal. This is who Victor is, and we move on. Um, It was very nice. Um, We get to see a little bit more into what is happening with Reginald Hargreaves and how the Sparrow Academy is controlling him and has taken his life away. Uh, Klaus spends some, some time in a sewer i'm assuming that's what that was um to get into uh to see reginald hargreaves to try and learn more about his mother uh it's it's a lot going on and then we culminate with um this second confrontation with the sparrows and 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 an arrival that really puts everything on hold by the time we get to the episode and time for everybody to drink because i Cannot remember the guy's name. Who is it that shows up at the end of the episode? What's his Lester. name? Lester. No. Harlan. Lester. Tarlin. Tarlin. Yeah. You think it's well, Harlan. Yeah, but his, his, well, his name is Lester. His name is Lester right. Pocket. Right. That, it may be Harlan. Wink, wink. Right. And so that's kind of the thumbnail of an all-over-the-place episode of the Umbrella Academy. Ray, I'm going to force you to remember it because I know you've watched the show. Talk yes. about your highlights out of episode three that you recall from what I think they call the lightning experience or something. Oh, I even forgot about five and Lila doing their whole deal. That's what I was uh, going to talk about. All right, go ahead and talk about it. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, in a show about superheroes that has fighting scenes, but not a whole lot. This is one of my favorite fighting scenes in the entire uh, series. It's really fun. Five and Lila really, truly seem to hate each other yet understand each other because they're kind of the same they were raised the same way in a sense kind of um stolen if you will by the company um so uh that fight was fun also the fight over uh, them wherever they went i can't remember it was the future or whatever and finding his old self that was fun 
Um, you mentioned Luther. The, the, the interesting thing to me is that while Luther is the number one and Luther was, quote unquote, supposed to be in charge, Luther's also the one that they never worried about. Because Luther was always right. the one that never did something he wasn't supposed to do. So that's why when they couldn't find when when he was missing, nobody expected him to be gone because he's always doing what he's supposed to be doing. So that's why it was, it was, there was some nonchalant about it. If Klaus is gone, all right, well, Klaus does that. If Diego's gone, something's wrong. Like they can, it's, Luther was the one that, I, Luther was the fool that stayed on the moon for all those years for no reason. Right. You know? Um. Also, this is the episode where you start to see Allison start to lose it. Yeah, Allison is going way rogue. And it gets worse. Just spoiler alert. And that's not a big spoiler. You can kind of tell. Um, the fight at the end, though. Um, the fight at the end, also with seeing the sparrows and how they treat Reginald. Those two things in concert are interesting to me. Because while the Umbrellas hated Reginald... They never mistreated him. Right. But the, it's almost like the Sparrows are, like, really treating, trying to think of a medical term for it, but it's, like, really horribly treating him. Um, it feels like it's almost reversed. So can I give a real, can I give a real life um, comparison that kind of pops sure. into my head? Uh, Dr. Landy with uh, Brian Wilson. Uh, and really controlling and medicating and overseeing aspects of his life, forcing him to sign papers, uh, keeping him away from any sort of like self control over himself and his, his direction. Like this is a this is a group that has become a little more like like it's drunk with power and abusing it uh, in in a way that you know clearly Hargreaves didn't expect. Well said, 100%. And for the first time in three seasons, old Reggie is, like, sympathetic, almost. Um, and you keep watching Kim and Klaus, like, you'll see, this, like, you start to pull for old Reggie for a little bit. Um, but the final fight, the irony, and maybe I'm going to cut this, that, because you can clearly tell who's essentially dead at the end, right? Am I wrong? Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, the irony of Jamie and Alfonso being the ones who were kind of pushing the mistreatment of Reggie being the ones to be killed at the end. I find that interesting because Marcus seemed to be straight laced. Sloan is head in the clouds, right? And you got the box who don't speak to nothing. He just follows the orders. So you got the Ben and Faye who Ben is evil Ben. But it feels like the ones who were really kind of playing it both sides were Jamie and Alfonso. And again, I've seen the whole series, so I'm not going to give anything away on air. But you start to see the team dynamic change a bit with those two right. being gone. Dave, to you, sir, what, what, did, what did you see? What are you pulling out of this, out of episode three here? Uh, I think so far... Season three, I really, really enjoy a lot. I think there's this is a deeper season than the first two, at least kind of like the interrelations between the people that that is going on. I think the grandfather paradox is 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 a big problem because it is, you know, manifested itself in this thing in the basement that mom thinks is God and she's speaking in tongues, which 
adds all sorts of interesting elements to to the situation. But uh, I I think you know you've got like Ray was talking about the two members of the Sparrow Academy who probably were the uh, most I don't know about evil, but just the most manipulative. You know, they're clearly coercing yep. Reginald and doing whatever they can to kind of get him, uh, you know, to do their bidding for them. And now they're gone. Um, ben and 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 uh, I forget the other the gal's name with the Ravens, uh, flock of Sheagles, that sort of thing. That was that was fun. But uh, I I think you know it, it's it's a very interesting dynamic going on right now between the two groups. And what's going on with Five and Lila, who are trying to head off this, um, you know, th- this this event that has dramatic impact to just about reality, space, time, all that kind of stuff, you know, because sooner or later that wave is going to catch up with everybody who uh, is impacted by it. So, you know, I, I fully expect the two groups are going to have to work together a little bit at some point in time as we move forward. Um, Klaus is interesting for me because... You know, his powers have always been his ability to talk to the dead. You don't know him. And, um, you know, we haven't seen we haven't seen him use his powers at all. They've been basically rendered inconsequential because Ben was really the one main person he talked to. Um, so you start to yeah. wonder. I'm wondering if as this goes along, these people who are getting um, quasi dusted, for lack of a better term, are going to start appearing to Klaus and talking to him and kind of giving him some more insight into what's going on. But um yeah, I love I love Luther making a mixtape for for Sloan. That was that was fun, <laughs> and the, the relation I, uh, the relation between just, Diego and his kid Stan, yeah. who I, Stan is just growing on me. He's a pain in the ass, but I feel bad for this kid because it's like no one is giving this guy the time. Because Lila is just an absolutely despicable mother, uh, but her relationship with Five is really kind of fun, and uh, and and that. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot lot to unpack, a lot going on. And I, I, Ray, I think Christopher is more powerful than we're probably giving it. He's their version of Vanya yeah. slash Victor. So yeah, he's we'll the see. ringer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like five, the ringer. Tony, jump in. What do you got? Yeah, you could you could say we were dancing on the ceiling, eh? You know what? I was gravity sex, Tony. When they tried to say that Lionel Richie was not cool anymore, I, 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 I agree with you. I was like, I, I was think Lionel Richie's so cool, but yeah, they, I, you know, they basically just—they basically poked fun at you, Pat, with that whole mixtape because it's a lot of the bands that we've talked mm-hmm. about: Neil Diamond, you know, Lionel Richie, <laughs> stuff don't like hate, that. Don't be hating on Neil either, people. That's right? Neil is a treasure. Oh, uh, that fight scene though in the uh, in the in the in the bathroom or the, in the bathing area there is what a dick tease. I mean, can't we get one good shot of them, Whoopi McBoobers? But anyway, um. Oh Jesus! Sorry, sorry. Be better, Tony. Mo- Be better. What's a, what's a Molotov cocktail? Can I have one? Um, it was a fun episode. It really was. I th- this season, it's interesting because a lot of these different shows that we've started covering over the years now, and we've reached multiple seasons. Personally, I've been like the downer guy who's like, ah, the second season wasn't as good as the first one. Hopefully, the third season's the last one. Not the case for me. This has been a really interesting start to this season, and like you said, Dave, it is more intricate, and and it is because we know these characters better than we did before. So, the explaining of the grandfather paradox, awesome, so funny, that was great, so hilarious, and on and on we go. So, yeah, good. I, I just love, I just love that they were like, and none of this actually happened, right? And they all come out <laughs> take like, together. So, it's a nice touch. So, we haven't really talked about Grace yet. And what 
is going on with Grace's connection to this entity? You know, Dave, you mentioned she's she's calling it God. She's speaking to it in tongues. Like, is she going to be like a cult leader robot? I don't like what is going on here. Uh, I think because I think I think she's a red herring. I think she's just going to end up believing that she is with it and that no, and she knows everything that's going on and she's just going to walk into it and die. That's my prediction. So you don't have to ask. She's not organic. That's the thing that I think is interesting. She's a robot. Yeah. I wonder the the thing, but she has a little bit of a AI to her, you know? And so that is the thing. The robot has always had a level of sentience. It has to have to have care because robots don't have care without some level of understanding of sentience. So I'm not going to give anything away, but the fact that she is a robot is, I think, the most interesting thing of her having these beliefs or feelings so much that when Marcus got yeeted, she's like, oh, well, there you go. You know, it's right. like, wait a minute, this is your he son. Touched it, it is now, he touched it and is now with God. Yes. Like, so this is kind of that, weird. And, that, what's, what, and what's also really interesting when you think about the sparrows is that uh, Ben and what's her name? Uh, drink. Faye. Faye, like they hear her say this, and Ben's like, "We don't care. We're still gonna go. Like we know that they didn't take our guy, but, and, but we're still gonna go do this. Take that control. Right? Like his, it is a process. It's the yell at the screen moment of the show. It's right. they just told you the answer to your question. Go in the fucking basement and look. And they're too stupid and confident and cocky. Right. And, and their answer is no. We we are in control. Of the sparrows now. We're gonna take care of this thing. And it was, yeah. It's. It, it it was a it's a my it's a little bit of a baffling moment, but it also gives you like like this team is not really a team. Like they really are all kind of working each other as much uh, in, in their own ways. Like as they try, like they're they're infighting, they're aligning with each other to try and help each other. But then it seems like they betray each other in different ways. It's fascinating. The lesson less they. <sighs> So they lost their number one, right? They basically right. lost what? Who is uh, Luther banging? Is that number seven? Five. That's their five. Slot is number five. Okay, They're so five basically, Sloan, yeah. they've lost two of their seven parts. So the infighting becomes magnified by having less pieces to spread it out to. I, that's what I think. And if I can give a tease, and I promise you, this is the smallest of teases that you've probably already noticed, especially someone like Patrick, who I know is really into the series. There is something behind Ben's thirst for power, other oh, than sure. the fact that he's just Ben. Right. So, but the one thing that I noticed from the very beginning when I started watching it, that kind of gave me an idea of the family dynamic of the Sparrows, was when you see them in their lush mansion with their big ass billboards of the Sparrows live here, right? Because they're celebrities, and you can see them have to make appearances outside to wave and stuff. I realized, oh, this is Michael Jackson shit. They don't like this at all. This is all fake. And you see more right. of that as the series goes on. But kind of well, the opposite, because I mean, they, t- they, they took Joe Jackson hostage. <laughs> right. Well, if, if Mike stayed at home for 30 years, he might have done the same thing. Yeah, I, uh, I think that you see that kind of come out a little bit in that final fight, too, right? Like, they show mm-hmm. up and tours start taking photos, and... They want they want to just get going. They don't care that those folks are in the way. They're ready to they're ready to throw down. So very very interesting 
bunch, and we will we will continue to see that as we had to, to about the halfway point of the uh, of the series. We're getting close to the halfway point of the season uh, here with episode four next week. Uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot of threads going on right now too, uh, and seeing how they're all going to start to to resolve themselves and come back together. And there's characters that we know are out there that ha- we haven't found yet. That I mean, there's a certain primate floating around out there yet that we haven't we haven't seen come back and you know he you know he he's he's somewhere uh we just don't know where and what he's doing cool all right well i think that'll close the book on this week's uh coverage of umbrella academy season three episode three we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to dive into the uh into the chair shot we're going to dive into the trailer part we are in the chair shot uh chairshot.com chairshot radio network uh but when we come back, we're going to take a visit to the trailer park. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything progressing. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com All right. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network on the ChairShot.com. PC Tunney is doing a little dancing in the background. Dave is still patiently waiting to rip on Warner Brothers. But before he gets to do that, Ray, Ray Cash has disappeared from our screen. He will come back, I'm sure. Dave, I, I put together four trailers just because I kind of felt like, well, okay, so two of them, I'm going to totally own two of them. I, I just, I need, I need to hear you guys talk about them. Uh, the other two, uh, I'm actually quite passionate and excited about. So I split it in half by two bonkers trailers, followed by two trailers I'm excited about. But before we can do any of that conversation, I need you to do me a favor and play that beautiful banjo. Thank you very much, Dave. Welcome back into the trailer park, everyone. We've got an interesting hodgepodge of trailers to talk about today. And the first one that I put out there is easily the most bonkers of the trailers. As I'm a fan of anime, I'm a fan of manga, I'm a fan of weird Japanese shit. And then I saw a trailer for an animated rendition, or or, uh, sorry, a film rendition of some weird Japanese shit, the manga Chainsaw Man, which is literally a, a dude with a chainsaw for a head, possessed by a demon. Like, it's a it's a chainsaw demon uh, running rampant. So I was like, I watched this trailer, and I'm like, I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to make the bandwagon talk about it. So I'm going to make a watch it, and then hear what they have to say about a dude with a chainsaw on his head cutting up demons. 
And Dave, you made the funniest face of the three. I'll let you go first. Your reaction to Chainsaw Man. Uh, yeah, that's uh. <laughs> no, I think I think it checked all the boxes that you just mentioned. Japanese anime manga way out there. Yeah, just D, all of the above. That is uh. I, I mean, it, it, yeah, bonkers is like, I was trying to half of the time, like, wow, what the f- hell is going on with this trailer? But, uh, it was, uh, it, it, it looks intriguing. I mean, yeah, if you're into anime and, 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 uh, and that sort of thing, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm into certain kind of animation, you know, DC animation, Marvel, what if, uh, this stuff isn't really in my wheelhouse, but it looks very weird. And entertaining like and a a kind of a dis- for a head. Yeah. He's got chainsaw arms. Yeah, it's it's disturbing in an entertaining sort of way. So I, I kind of like, okay, maybe this would be worth checking out. But yeah, it's it's way out there, Pat. That's that's for sure. Mission accomplished, man. Toddy, I know you're gonna skip it. What'd you think of the trailer? Do I look like a Balaz? <laughs> I thought about you know, we could you could have Balaz on here. Like we could have Balaz talk about the Chainsaw uh... Man trailer. It was weird. <laughs> it was weird. The trailer so you're, you're was not the, tra- the trailer was more than enough for me. <laughs> you're not gonna watch it though. Oh like, I mean... no! Actually, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Ray Cash, are like, you gonna check out Chainsaw Man? Could this be any more of a Belaz thing? Probably. Um, I just got one question. No, I'm not watching this shit. I just got one question. <laughs> this shit's awesome. What are you talking about? Look at Patrick selling this. I, What's wrong I, with you? He's selling this, one, like Sal sold Brook Shields on the last episode of Practice. I, <laughs> I just need to know one thing. Did the chainsaw like fuck him and make him become Chainsaw Man? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Is this a product of a woman and a demon chainsaw? Because no, you see, a there's a part of possessing. It's possession, man. It's like that's no, you know, no, no it's possession. Then they're those, cutting you in those, half, and then boom. Yeah, there well, you the, go. Yeah, it's, it's totally the, fine. I don't, I don't understand why you think it's so weird, right? You'd think like most babies, they're born head first, but that one's born. The chainsaws are born feet first. Man, Ray, if you'd it's actually really watched Flash Gordon, you would be able to accept this movie. A I little mean, bit maybe more. you'd understand it. Yeah, I'd yeah. be totally instant, instant C-section. By the way, how's 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 your fern gully watching going? Oh boy, done. What are you talking about? I've watched it twenty seven times, just like you've watched Flash Folks, Gordon. Welcome to the grandfather paradox. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There. Okay, here's the thing. I'm going to watch Chainsaw Man because it purely because it will be completely bonkers. I, I really and hope. Let us know how it goes too. Like really, I am do. going to sell the shit out of it after I watch it. I think you, you guys, should get uh, Adam or AJ and do a live watch along. That'd be fun. I think you oh. should go to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy a chainsaw to watch it with. Yes, I'm going to watch it with a chainsaw um, and see if chainsaw magic happens. I, I doubt it. So on that note, clearly I'm alone on the Chainsaw Man viewing watch party. Everybody else is invited. If you want to come along and check it out, you know, I'm just saying check it out. It's, it's coming soon to a, to a streaming service near you. All right, let's move on to a movie that doesn't need to be made, yet somehow got Christopher Lloyd to show up at it. Anyone who's ever walked outside by, or walked by a mall or an empty 
retail building space from around apparently now late July through October, we'll see a big banner come across a box store that says Spirit Halloween. And people go crazy for the Spirit Halloween shots. Dave's excited. Look at Dave. Dave is already counting down the days. How many Spirit Halloween stores have already popped up in your area, David Ungar? Have you seen any yet? No, they usually don't show up We've got until some in New England already. September, really? maybe. Yeah. Labor Day here. There's one that's right off of the freeway, just west of where Miller Park is, one of the busier parts of the freeway in Milwaukee. And it's at the where the Pettit Center is in the parking lot. They they do a gigantic pumpkin, which turns into basically the size of like a freaking Walmart. That's insane. Uh, then again, I saw that one of the inflatables that people will be able to buy this year is a 35 foot tall Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. I can't one of the two. Uh, so if you want that in your yard. But Spirit Halloween is like, it's this thing that just, they, they, these stores crop, pop up all over the place. Like, they're like Starbucks for for Halloween stores, and, except they're only open for about six months out of the year. And they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And to the point where somebody was like, at Spirit was like, I bet you we can make a movie about our stores. And they did it. And they got Christopher Lloyd to show up in some way, shape, or form to be like Doc Brown himself is showing up in this movie. Now, it looks like pure made-for-TV Nickelodeon movie schlock or, you know, like one of those Disney Channel movies. It's, you know, teens slash tweens. Yeah, we've seen that. That's not what we're talking about right now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I have ADD. You can't do that, man. It just distracts the shit out of me. Put up pictures, and I'm like, why is he showing me that? Uh, anyway. Yeah, Ray, Ray, dickhead. Ray, Ray, I'm going to ask you to take off of me first. Why do we have this movie, and why will they watch it three times? Product placement for the win. 100%. It's clear. That's, 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 that's King, right? I remember when the Power Rangers movie came out, uh, Aesop's favorite movie that's ever happened, and people bitched because, like, the Zeo crystals were buried under a Krispy Kreme. Product placement is what it is, right? Also, this is fucking low budget goosebumps if I've ever seen one in my life. <laughs> my God. Like, R.L. Stein is laughing in his billions of dollars right now. It's not going to be bad, but it's definitely not necessary. But really, how many movies are really necessary? No, it's going to be fun. Clearly, it's going to be fun. There are very. You just sat here and talked about the merits of Chainsaw Man, bro. Come on. Yeah, man. that's some high. that's some highbrow. Literature that you're ripping on. <laughs> First of all, was how many movies really are necessary? And secondly, how many horror movies really are bad? Like, some most horror movies are meant to be bad because there's a point. It's not going to be bad. It's going to be interesting. I watch it with the kids. You watch it with the little O'Dowd. Tony will watch it with his cats. And Dave will watch it with his wife. And any of the kids that want to come by and hang out with him. That's what we do. Tony. It's smart marketing, right? <laughs> Isn't it? It, it? I guess. Does it need to be marketed? Does Spirit need to be marketed, though? No, but they had an idea, and they're going to make money off of it, and they're going to make money off of it by getting... The the, the, the movie... The, the age of people that the movie is for is probably the age of people that 
beg their parents the most to go buy them something as opposed to like, oh, I don't want to make something. Like, I remember being in my 20s going to Halloween parties like, I'm not going to the fucking store. I can find something to be something to go to. I'm just going to drink and get laid anyway. So, you know, the people that want to go out and have a cool costume and got to go buy something are generally the kids growing up in through high school that, you know, they're not going to, they're too cool to make it, right? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. Um, I I do hear you. I absolutely a thousand percent agree that this is a hour and a half long spirit Halloween commercial. Dave, why are you going to watch this three times? I probably won't because I'll be too busy at spirit buying stuff to put out in the yard. So <laughs> I don't need already, that. I don't need that. We don't need the product placement. Spirit Halloween teat. Yeah. He's going to make a real life spirit movie at his house. Oh, we do that every year. I mean, yeah. If kids now, aren't if the, the kids the aren't crying, Ray, it's no Lloyd fun. Character is the Christopher Lloyd character patterned after you, Dave? Is it, oh, is it like is this your is this like a is this like based on true events? It could be. This is the Dave Ungar experience in Spirit Halloween? It could very well be. It, the movie reminds me of like a few years ago they did a movie about one of the mazes at Magic Mountain for Fright Fest called Hellfest. So they made a mo- they made a movie about one of the mazes, and this feels very much like, hey, we're gonna make a movie about our store and shit coming to life and going crazy inside of it. Spirit Halloween. It's like, all right. That that that's that's scary enough to be fun for the kids. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll watch it, but yeah, I don't blame them. Stick it outside a little bit outside the box, doing something that's a little bit different. But you know, okay, I might watch can, it once. You know, maybe once, Pat, not you- three times, once. Can you give us your best Great Scott? Great Scott! Yeah, it was so-so, uh, Ray. Go ahead, Ray. I want to hear yours, damn it. Yeah, no, the audience didn't like it at all. <clears throat> Great Scott! No. What is, what is that? Is that no. Mickey Mouse saying Great Scott? What the hell was that, Great, Ray? Like... You, you know your boy got saying, a little gravelly voice, but when he says it, he kind of changes inflection a bit. So you want Batman saying, great, great Scott. <laughs> Shout out to Christian Bale. <laughs> Tony, do you, have a, do you have a great Scott for the masses there? Can you, can you save this? Oh, great Scott. See the inflection? See, it's not just I, I, Yeah, I guess out of the three, like, Tony wins, like... Tony, Tony has the best. I mean, he does actually look the most like Christopher Lloyd. So I guess it makes sense that he would sound like Christopher Lloyd. Uh, okay. So we 90 minute commercial is over. I shared this trailer. I shared two trailers with the, uh, the bandwagon DM group the other day or yesterday, actually uh, yesterday from when we're recording this. So Saturday, for those of you who are listening uh, on Monday, about a documentary that came around. I, so for those of you who don't know who Will Vinton is, Will Vinton uh, revolutionized stop-motion animation in the 60s, 70s, 80s in particular through claymation, which most people know from the 80s uh, because of the California Raisins and a lot of advertising and marketing stuff uh, that came out of California Raisins and then the Noid for Domino's, Domino's Pizza. Avoid the Noid was like this big thing, this goofy claymation character that ran around. Will Vinton was the mind behind that, and he also was involved in a lot of other uh, animation projects to the to the extent where it was speculated that he could be like the next Walt Disney. And his studio eventually would fall to ruin uh, and become bought out by Phil Knight, owner of Nike, 
and, and, and his son would take it over and create Leica Studios. And if you have any, if you've listened to this program before, when Aesop and I have been on it, we've talked about Leica Studios. That's the studio behind the stop motion animation films like Coraline. Uh, it's behind uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the other, there's only like four or five films from Leica Studios so far that, that have come out. But Leica Studios is what rose out of the end of, um, of Will Vinton's Claymation Studios. And this documentary tells that story, tells Will Vinton's story, uh, and then also talks about uh, it's, it, his end. And, you know, Will Vinton's no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago. The documentary itself doesn't actually do any... Um, in, the documentarians didn't interview Phil Knight or his son they use a lot of archived footage from previous interviews and conversations. But to me, this is a really interesting sort of niche story. Uh, and, and to look at one of the great fathers of stop motion animation in spite, like we, I don't, I argue that we wouldn't have uh, shows like robot chicken today, if not for Will Vinton studios. And so I shared this documentary out this trailer out to you guys because i think it looks really interesting i know tony uh likes documentaries a lot um he, he takes a lot of interest in those when i share them and so uh just wanted to go around the room and you know thoughts on just your if you even had any sort of relationship or connection or recognition of claymation uh and and just your thoughts on this documentary and, and how and and like studios and we'll start this time i'll start with pc tony since i dropped your name first i love it there's a lot of things that I've watched over the years that have been either by by these people or from other people that have done claymation as well that, you know, once that caught on and kept moving. But the story looks so very interesting. It seems like it's not only a battle uh, uh, for the company to survive, but for for I forget what's his name, um, the creator Golden. of the. Yes, for him just to survive in his own mind with his creation. It seems like that's kind of the biggest struggle for him is is just caring all the time when you listen to, you know, kind of the things he says. So the way that these things are made, the amount of effort it takes and creativity to do these kinds of things is nuts. I know DP and I have done some stop, you know, some motion stop motion capture things in the past with Legos and shit like that. And it it takes more creativity and ingenuity than you think than just going oh here's a pose picture here's a pose picture here's a pose picture you know what i'm saying you really have to dig deep into your inner artist and your inner creativity and imagination so all of that really strikes me as something that i'm very interested in watching and seeing what the idea was behind the process how it became better and then what the what the hurdles exactly were that caused all this to have not such a happy ending yeah, I, from what I understand, and I look forward to watching it. Phil, Phil Knight, and his son in particular do not look, are not cast in the best light. Um, Ray, your thoughts uh, as as the youngster out of this group? I don't know how connected you are with the claymation stuff, as maybe more so because I noticed you nodded when I was like Kubo and the Two Strings. You were like, oh yeah, well, yeah. Uh, celebrity death, celebrity so, death match. Well, yeah. sure, but even older than that, you know, there's some of those old uh, Santa Claus movies. Santa Claus is coming to town at a claymation. And Gumby. Did Mr. he do Bill? Gumby? <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Bill. No, he did not do Gumby. No. Okay, but that's still, that's claymation, would you consider it? Right. Okay. No, that, yeah, very, yeah, it's 
predates him. Okay, got you, got you. Um, it's inter- I love learning about stuff like this. It's interesting to me as an as a person ignorant on the topic um, that you keep referring to it primarily as stop motion instead of clay motion because there have been different types of stop motion. For example, the original South Park was stop motion with paper. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm interested to see kind of where kind of his rise led to kind of maybe the the branches of different types of that style of stop motion. And also, while I don't know what happened to him, but apparently what happened to him isn't the, the greatest thing ever. Um, I hate to feel like it always had a shelf life anyway with the advent of better technology. Because I can't see claymation seriously going further in the late 90s into 2000s. Like, Celebrity Deathmatch was a parody of a parody of a parody, which was claymation made perfect sense for that. Um, I don't know. So maybe this will give me some more information on could it have been possible in 2022? Because I just don't see a place for it. Let's put it like this. If you everything you can do with animation, you can do with claymation. And if given a chance to make a Looney Tunes movie with claymation, I'd rather see that than another one with animation. How's that sound? Like instead of having the New York strip every night, I'd love to have a nice bone in whatever exotic cut once in a while and that's what i feel about claymation and that's a fair point but i also would like to note and this is and this is not to say you're wrong or to go against you so much of our likes and our enjoyment as people are based on what we liked when we were kids and nostalgia so that may that may tickle that nostalgia bone more so than visually it's better because there's no way anybody can tell me that claymation is going to visually look better than the graphics of 2022 not saying that that should be the argument because there's a beauty and an art to claymation i'm just thinking how long could he have feasibly done it I, before I think, the knights kind of stole well, it from him essentially i think you're kind of missing the bigger point is you don't have to actually use the clay anymore with all the technology you no, can you're just right. substitute this you know what i'm saying that was Spot should have been your bigger point I don't agree with you, but I'm just making your point for you. You do. Let so, your honor so, let the record show that he did not make his own point there. All right, whatever. So, Dave, weigh in on this a little bit. What do you? What are your thoughts about uh, a film about claymation, about um, about Will Vinton, and 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 this documentary? What are your thoughts? First, uh, to address like Ray's point that he was saying about could you use that in 2022 would be the point. I think if you're going for a certain kind of look and a certain kind of feel about a specific movie, you could break that out and, and and do it to give it a different sort of feel, but it would have to be, you know, contextually speaking, the right kind of movie, you know, that sort of thing. Um, As far as like, you know, claymation and, and and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember that stuff, the California raisins. I mean, they were cool for a while. Then they got annoying. After after a while, it's like enough of these guys, you know, the Noid was interesting, but I, you know, me, I'm, I'm more, you know, stop motion has a very dear place in our heart, Pat, because Clash of the Titans, the very, the original one was big oh, on yeah, that. Ray yeah, I, I mean, so that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested in anything that kind of exploring that medium that was, that was, yeah, I mean, by modern standards, it doesn't look the greatest, but back then, I mean, just about every movie you can think of, Star Wars used it, um, bunch of other things used a variation of stop motion claymation that sort of thing so yeah i'm i i don't know enough about the topic so it's something that would be 
you know, I would say, yeah, I'm interested to learn more about this pioneer in this industry and how things, you know, ended up so badly. Just the last counter to raise thing and not even to counter him or go against and argue with him. And I'll just give you the list and Patrick, you can go ahead. But I think we're, we're going to realize there's a lot more out there than we think. When you Google claymation movies and TV shows, here's the list that comes up. Night, Nightmare Before Christmas, Carolyn, Chicken Run, Corpse Bride, Mr. Fantastic, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Shaun the Sheep movie, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It goes on and on of things you would recognize. that All are the Waz and, the and Gromit stuff. Yeah, all the Waz and Gromit stuff that I think about it is claymation. So right. Well, and, and I, won't, I, I won't try to argue that stop motion animation claymation uh and, and yes there is a distinction like claymation is a part of stop is a type of stop motion animation uh and probably arguably the most popular type of stop motion animation that you would see out there you know we still like there there are still it is a niche product and i and i and i want to point out that, but like wes anderson award-winning director put out a movie a few years ago called isle of dogs uh the like i said Leica studios they don't, and it's a very time-consuming medium to to build a movie from. Like if you look at um, the movies that made us, they did a an episode on the Nightmare Before Christmas and how painstaking that that movie is and the amount of time it takes to make a stop motion animation film. Donald Faison, who's a, who's an actor from Scrubs, that you know, Tony gives me a hard time about Scrubs. He's very passionate about stop motion animation. Like that is one of his like his pet projects and he created a uh, adult swim short series called Alabama Jackson that we talked about where it's Alabama Jackson going back and trying to stop the, uh, I can't remember some old um, president who's trying to uh, undo black history and, and Alabama Jackson travels through time with Harriet Tubman voiced by Wanda Sykes. It's hilarious. But um, there's, there's folks out there who are very passionate to keep the art form going so, and I think that's true with a lot of different mediums that, you know, technology has passed by. You know, I would also talk about it with puppetry. Puppetry is something else that I'm very, very interested in, very interested about. Jim Henson's, Jim Henson's legacy is puppetry. And they're still doing stuff with Muppets today. They're still making Muppet films today. And I think they're still going to make stop motion animation films. I still think they're going to do uh, claymation sort of stuff. And I think that it's just, yeah, it's not, and claymation was never like the thing, like ever. Uh, But like one of my favorite holiday specials of all time is Will Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas. Uh, And the sense of humor behind that 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 man had and carried in a lot of his work is out there for all to see and is definitely worth taking the time to check out. Tony, last thought, and then we'll talk about our last trailer. There's always going to be people who want to do it. There's always there are going to be people who want to consume the content. And there's just something different about only using a computer to connect the physical manual labor you've done in, in the end, right? That's the difference between CGI and animation. Even animation to a point is in the middle there, right? But with claymation and stop motion, your hands are the CGI and the computer, right? And I think that's the big difference. And there's always going to be appreciation for that kind of craft. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that it is, uh, it is an it is an art form worthy of being called art and worth pursuing. All right, Amen. our last trailer here in the trailer park comes from our good friends at Lucasfilm and Disney. We got another Andor 
trailer that hit our second one so far. This one, a lot more focus on Stellan Skarsgård and his character. Uh, throughout the two minutes, we also get a look at Mon Mothma and uh, and a few cameos here and there. I- I'm hyped for this. It was funny. The little O'Dowd was sort of half paying attention to the trailer while I had it on the TV screen. And then a Star Destroyer flies overhead and he's like, OK, you have my attention. Show me show me what is happening now. And I, it looks fun. It looks like a, almost kind of like a spy thriller sort of thing. Uh, it, you know, infiltrating, thievery, uh, a lot of fun. And so, uh, Dave, have you kicked off? I had you kick off Chainsaw Man. So we'll have Ray. We'll have Ray talk about Andor and your thoughts on this latest trailer from Disney Plus slash Lucasfilm. So we had a really good Star Wars conversation a few months ago um, where we were talking kind of about it may have been Star Wars Day um, where we were talking about so that's been that's been a year. No, that was a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, where we were kind of talking about what do we want next? Like, how can we move past the Skywalker saga and does everything have to be involved with Jedi's and Sith? Can we do something that falls out kind of outside the purview? And kind of why me personally, I thought that's why the Mandalorian did so well, because while that stuff is kind of in the background, it's not about that. Right. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I got it right here because it's a good opportunity to put over the little O'Dowd who likes Star Wars outside of Jedi's and Sith. He does. Yes, exactly. And, And I'm sure the the younger generation is probably feeling that way. And so with all that being said. This is the type of show I've been waiting for. This is what I'm looking for. And I don't have to watch it. Like, this is my, this trailer, I just watched it 20 minutes ago while y'all were talking. I hadn't seen any of them. I did it on purpose. Didn't want to. Because I don't care about the trailer. Because I'm like, I don't know shit about anything in the trailer. Like, the only thing I know about the trailer is I recognize Forrest Whitaker and his eye from Rogue One, which also is a movie I haven't seen. So now you really need to see Rogue One, dude. I know I've heard it. That movie's started, so good. I started it 15 minutes. You know me. I sleep all the time. I fell asleep. Never went back and watched it. That's on me. Woke up at woke up at 2:15 in the morning. Finished it. Texted us messages about about well, it. Well, that's 4 that's pretty <laughs> accurate. Actually, if y'all Dave, know us, Dave degree, responds yeah. a half hour later because he's a vampire. <laughs> that's right. But but long story short, kind of put everything full circle. I am very happy and, and, and I'm very um, excited and intrigued about learning more, learning about more shit in that generation, in this universe, than everything that happened with the Skywalkers and the Palpatines. Like, I'm really excited about that. And so you get shows like even the Obi-Wan Kenobi, which falls in that lane, the periphery of it was fun for me. And so now I'm excited about this, and this is something that I'm sure I'll catch every t- every day it comes out. And I'm excited about that. So good on Lucasfilm, good on Disney for giving us something extra, something different. Dave, your thoughts on the latest Andor trailer? Yeah, I, I echo a lot of Ray's sentiments. Uh, maybe a little bit different viewpoint as to what I'm looking for with this one. Um, but but I think what's great about this series is you're going to get like a street level view of the origin of the rebellion. And that's a story that hasn't been told yet that I'm very intrigued in to see, you know, what because because, you know, rebellions don't start like where we got it in Star Wars, where they're up in space and Leia's giving the message to R2 to get it to Obi-Wan. They start 
on the ground level and with some sort of movement or an ideology or something going on. You saw it in Rogue One to a a, a broader extent. This is looking like it's going to be really focused on the people involved at, that got the rebellion going and got the momentum going for this thing that overthrows the intergalactic empire and the most evil bastard that we've ever seen in the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, count me in. I, I'm very intrigued to see some new characters developed within this framework like Ray's talking about, about this era that we're so interested in that I know they keep saying we want to get away from it, but they're really not. And that's okay because this is a different story touching a base on one of the biggest moments in Star Wars history, the rebellion. So yeah, I'm um, very excited about this series. Tony, it's all Star Wars. You know, Ray got me uh, to have a light bulb switch on and, and figure this all out. You know, it's like enough with the Hatfields and McCoys. There was other shit going on at the time. Um, and if you are in it's the a performance... bigger town than the two damn families. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't necessarily believe that. But if you are in the performing arts and you're an actor or an actress or, or in theater or, or a singer or a performer or a dancer or someone that just needs to convey um, a certain personality trait in a certain way, go to Disney Plus and watch Industrial Light and Magic and you will be able to study George Lucas and figure out how to purvey conceit to a fucking T. Thanks for talking about Andor. Yeah, I was like, and, and so this connects to Andor how? It's all Star Wars. I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> there it is. There it is. No, uh, it looks good. looks good. Everything they said, to be honest with you. It, it looks yeah, it's I, a different kind of story. It's more gritty. I love it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, the 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 thing that I found fascinating is that I do think that Disney, I think that Lucasfilm, as it, in, in its state as it is now, knows how to tell stories during the within the framework that George Lucas created within the 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 original trilogy framework, and they have still really struggled outside of the Mandalorian to find its feet as to what happens next. Regardless of how you feel about the second trilogy. Uh, and everybody knows my feelings on Rise of Skywalker uh, versus The Force Awakens um, versus uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, you, you all know my order of preference of those three movies. I'm not what sure I, I'm aware I, of that. You want to never mind. Well, we all know that uh, The Rise of Skywalker is the worst Star Wars film ever made. R2-D2 is the most powerful character in all of Star there Wars. We go. And Almost the, made uh, it. And, and The Last Jedi is uh, by far the best of the new trilogy and the most ambitious of the new trilogy. And in my opinion is the one that tried to actually talk about what we do next in, in the star Wars universe in a way that pulled it forward and away from the Skywalkers. You you don't believe it's better than the force awakens. You believe it's better than the Skywalker than rise of Skywalker, but most, most, even the oldest of diehard. Oh, he fans believes he awakens. does not like. No, force I, awakens, I, I, absolutely, right? I absolutely believe the last Jedi is the best of the three new disney runs i hate the force awakens a little bit less than i hate the rise of skywalker because i did not need them to retell a new hope we have talked about this on old episodes we are not going to go over this again today my point here is is that the reason why this looks so good is because i do think that within the framework of the rebellion and fighting the empire disney and its writers have been able to tell good stories and Tony has talked about it's all Star Wars and what I what what I would like to see next. 
what is really truly next in this galaxy far, far away that isn't a, a rehash or a crutch of the Empire aesthetic and the Rebellion aesthetic? Because that is my big problem with the second trilogy as a whole is they basically didn't, like J.J. Abrams didn't know what to do other than prove that he was a Star Wars fan and give us more Empire Rebellion. And I think there was a much more, and I talk about this, if you've ever read any of the books, my, that, that ever came out, the Timothy Zahn trilogy that is basically written as an aftermath of Return of the Jedi is about a new country finding itself. And that's why I liked season one of The Mandalorian, because it really fits that narrative too, of mm-hmm. a new you know, Republic finding itself. And so this is, this is a long way of saying, I don't, I don't know what Lucasfilm does with next, but I know that they're really good within the past and so, Andor fits that very, very well. The next show should be Ahsoka, correct? I think, yeah, it's somewhere in there. Okay. And we know they got uh, the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie coming out, but they are working on a new trilogy. So they may already have it in plan. It's just we won't see it to 2025, 2026, right? It, it, but it's about what the canon is and how it fits. Like that's and that's the that's the thing is they they basically read in my opinion, and this is my opinion, and I'm sorry that we have gone here, but um, in my opinion, the second, the 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 episode seven through nine, you have basically a retelling of a new hope, which is my big problem with. The Force Awakens. It is essentially a retelling of A New Hope, and I, I've talked to a lot of, you know, Star Wars fans who are like, you know, it's it's a form of storytelling, a circular story, whatever. My point is, is that it's it. It was a movie I'd seen before. You had what I felt was a very impressive risk-taking film in The Last Jedi, in its concept of the Force, in its concept of how the Force works. And its concept of trying, like, the First Order is really secondary to everything else in that second movie. And it really is trying to find new boundaries and, and create new realities for the universe. And then when we get to Abrams, because of the, the strong reaction, we, we rubber banded back into something familiar with a nonsensical return of Palpatine. And just a bunch of craziness that there's elements of good in there. Like I do believe that the Ben Solo redemption arc, while again, a mirror of Anakin Skywalker's redemption arc, still quite good. Like I can't argue that the scene with him and, and Han Solo isn't, isn't quite good, but the movie just makes no goddamn sense. And at the end is just return of the Jedi in the sense of we're once again, destroying Palpatine. We're once again, destroying this giant fleet of horrible, horrible um, spaceships and once again, there's freedom in the galaxy. And now we 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 took three steps to we'll do what I think needs to what, what I think could have just been the next step. And so, sure, Ahsoka could be great. Sure, the Patty Jenkins Jenkins Road Squadron movie. We'll see what it is. Taika Waititi's trilogy. Who knows what that's going to look like? Because Taika Waititi is doing a Star Wars trilogy. Like that's coming. Um, and again, all of this has nothing to do with Andor. But it does. But it does kind of. But to me, but to me, Disney has been much more successful in telling stories within the framework of the original trilogy. 
Right, but here here's the that's, thing. That's that's what that all comes and down here, to. You mentioned the Timothy Zahn trilogy, the heir to the empire. The problem with that is they waited way too long to even consider making that movie. By the time they thought yeah, about cause, it, because because Mark Hamill's too old. Right, Harrison Ford so too old, Carrie Fisher, Fisher too, old. too old. So old, yeah. I sometimes wonder if what they've done with and and I can't. You're not wrong. There's a lot of similarities between the sequel trilogy and the original trilogy and trying to reestablish, hey, we've got this new cool Jedi over here named Rey that I sometimes wonder if they're not going to try to shoehorn in heir to the Empire using these newer characters who are still young enough to tell that story, but just tell it differently. I mean, you've got Thrawn has been mentioned. We're going to see him in Mandalorian. So, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Sometimes I wonder if they're not trying to retcon this thing and fix, hey, we should have done this 20 years ago. Let's do it now with different people. Right. And the problem with Star Wars fans is our attachment to canon is crazy. Like, our attachment to canon and our arguments over what is actual canon is fascinating. Because, like, I'm not particularly one of those that argues that every novel that was approved by George Lucas's estate to be a Star Wars novel is canon. Others would disagree. So Disney agrees right. with you. I, Disney agrees with me. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we are gonna end this conversation though. Now, do watch Andor. I do think it looks very very good. Uh, I do think that it, it should be a lot of fun. We're gonna take our second commercial break, and we come back. We're finally gonna get into the nuts and bolts of the Warner Brothers and Discovery merger. Uh, before we go to our recorded commercials, though, of course, it is my duty to remind you that if you love what we do here on Bandwagon Nerds, if you love the work that we put out or the output um, and content that we put out on the Chairshot Radio Network, if you love what we do each and every day on these podcast airways, the best way to support us is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot and invest in one of our many shirt designs. We have all kinds of designs for you to choose from, everything from the Bandwagon Nerd shirt to sayings from various shows, such as Everybody Hates Craig. And we want you to, to be able to rep our brand as best you can, because every time you do, you help us. You help get our work out there, and it really does mean a lot to us. Shirts are only $19.99. If you're feeling fancy, though, and you want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Every little bit helps us put out quality content for you, Every single day of the week. Again, that's prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Invest in a chair shot shirt. When we come back, we are going to talk all about the merger of Warner Brothers and Discovery. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Funny here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Okay, everyone, welcome back. This week, I would say, in terms of just... How busy one week of news can be over one topic. This is up there with as big a news week as we've we've seen in the nerdosphere in a long, long time. And we're going to talk all about it. Now, we've talked about on previous episodes a little bit about uh, about this 
upcoming merger uh, or this merger that occurred between Warner Brothers and Discovery. Now, to give some background, everyone, before we get into this, and I titled this section of the show, The Death of HBO Max with a question mark. We now can change that question mark to a period. But um, this all started back on April 8th, 2022, when it was announced that Warner Brothers and Discovery were going to merge into one conglomerate, entertainment conglomerate. And as a result of that, the Discovery head of, I can't, a CEO, I can't, I think that's, that's his title, CEO, David Zaslav, took over. And in part of, of his t- takeover of the regime and being in charge of this newly merged Warner Brothers Discovery conglomerate was committing to cutting $300 billion from the entertainment budget. Now, to kind of give a rundown on some things that folks know, Warner Brothers is connected, it owns HBO, HBO Max. They uh, have the rights to DC products and properties, and we're going to spend a lot of time later on talking about that. Obviously, Discovery and all of its content. So all of this comes together. David Zaslav comes on, and he immediately commits to cutting $300 billion to the budget. And quietly, low-key, over time, from April 8th, he really did start doing that. But some bombshell announcements really came along with cuts this week. And the first huge announcement was that the Batgirl film, which was complete, basically, like essentially done, was was scrapped. Now, it was $20 million over budget. And depending on who you listen to or who you read or what the rumors are, it could have either been the worst movie of all, of all time uh, or just not the big blockbuster style of superhero movie that Zaslav wants DC to go for. The other big film that got scrapped that was well on its way and almost done, and actually is more of a disappointment to myself and the little doubt, was the uh, sequel to the movie Scoob, Scoob Holiday Haunt, which the little doubt liked so much when we saw it, when it went straight to streaming, that we immediately bought it to own it forever because he thought it was awesome and watched it repeatedly. Can, can you can you see the cutscene right now? Scooby's like, "Whoa, Shaggy, your movie's gonna make millions!" And then Shaggy's like, well, "I don't know, Scoob." Yeah, basically. Uh, so those were the those were the kind of the two big cuts. Now, other other cuts have happened, uh, and and we'll and we're gonna start there because uh, some streaming exclusive content from HBO Max was cut, including the remake of the. Uh, movie The Witches, the Roald Dahl movie that was starring Anne Hathaway, uh, Seth Rogen's uh, film. I can't remember what it was called, but he made, it was made specifically for HBO Max was cut. Uh, and the reason behind those cuts were that these were streaming exclusives that weren't getting watched. And, and I, they argue that it's a cost, that, that it's going to save costs, but I don't know how, so I'm not really quite smart enough on that. But when the news came, that Batgirl basically completed, rug pulled out from underneath, was cut. Your initial thoughts and feelings uh, to this news, and we'll start with Ray Cash on on this go around. Absolutely ridiculous, just just wild. And it's not even about in respect to the superhero populace. Batgirl alone isn't the name that most people are going to go to see, and that's just off the name of the movie. It's okay, right? Barbara Gordon is a fantastic character, one of the most important characters in the history of DC and the Bat Family. 
but she's not a name that's going to make you say, you see it on your paper, and you're like, damn, I got to go see that. The issue is, when you make a whole goddamn movie, and you have multiple different ways to release this movie, everybody's been paid, the entire movie's finished, all you got to do is market and put it out. And you haven't got to do that much marketing because you own your own streaming service. To then say, nah, son, ain't good enough. All right, do we change it? Maybe we'll just put it on HBO Max. No big deal. We're not going to get the big box office, but maybe we'll get some subscribers, get it out. But to scrap it completely for the tax break? It, I've, I've never heard anything like that. And the irony of this is, if they really were caring about good business, this is really a business move. They wouldn't scrap it completely. They'd sell it or get, get it to somebody else. Once they do the tax break thing, they could never use it again. It's done. So it's just the wildest thought that you could do something like this. The advertisements, the big um, panel they had with it at, a, the, at the DC, uh, whatever the DC. Fandom. Oh, Fandom. You know, you got one of the hottest young stars in the game, Leslie Grace, coming from In the Heights. A big upcoming star. You know, she's not a um, household name now, but give it three years, right? She's where Ariana, um, whatever my old girl's name is from um, the Steven Spielberg movie, um, who won the Oscar. She's like in that spot where she was before. She's on the way. Michael Keaton's in it. J.K. Simmons is in it. Brendan Fraser is in it. So I don't understand what you're telling me because this does not feel like it's about money anymore. Because if it's about money, you do everything you could to recoup costs. And the the little money you're going to get back on your tax, whatever the, you're the t- attorney, Dave, you know the correct ver- verbiage. But on whatever you're doing for taxes, isn't going to be the same money you could possibly get by putting it out in any platform or selling it to Netflix or Amazon or something for the rights to show it. It doesn't feel like it's about money anymore. And you alluded to that, Patrick, when you were talking about you brought up the DC situation and how it was not a big budget movie. So apparently the only DC movies we're going to get for the next 30 years are going to be Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Is Aquaman safe? You, The Flash is safe, but your main character in that movie has been acting an ass for nine, ten months. Is that movie that much more important to the history of DC when you don't have a universe? No. What are we doing? Well, they're going to make money on that one. Are they? You're a Flash uh, fan. And I don't mean dis- no disrespect to you, Tony, but legitimately, are the majority make, of people going to go watch a Flash movie? I don't believe don't make, so. They will, they, will, they will recoup money off of that movie. You have to think that the Batgirl thing is because of they, it's that bad. Or someone doesn't like someone. I That's, think it's more of the second part. Because even if it's a bad movie, and I know I'm going over time, Patrick, I apologize, I really do. Even if it's bad, it's still people. People still watched Fantastic Four with Josh Trank, and that's the worst you can get. It's still watchable. It's on TV. You can make some money off of it in some form or fashion if you do something with it. And the budget for this movie for Bad, Bad Girl is nowhere close to the budget for for Flash. So you talk about recouping costs. Flash got to get at least two hundred million dollars to get the costs back. I'm done. I'm sorry. All right, Dave, your turn. Before I make Ray really angry, because I'm about to make Ray really angry. 
<clears throat> from a pure business standpoint, if you're looking for a tax write-off and you're $20 million over budget and you're saying, there's no way in hell we're going to get this money back. Where can we make this cut? We need to save $3 million. Yeah, you could take a $20 million loss on your tax write-off for you know HBO, Warner Brothers, Discovery, whatever the hell you want to call it, and, and go with that. And I'm not saying that's a, a bad business decision per se, but I do tend to agree with Ray that it, it it's a really shitty move when you've got all this time and effort invested. You brought Michael Keaton back, for God's sake, the original Batman. You know, and I mean, he's got some strokes, so I'm sure he's somewhere sitting there saying, wait a second, we're not even going to release this. I got to imagine that he cares some. But yeah, I, I think the notion of of expecting Flash to make money with Ezra Miller, Aquaman to make money with fucking Amber Heard um, is is blindly optimistic on the part of these guys. And and I, you know, I know we're not getting to the point yet where we're talking about the DC reboot that they're talking about, but this whole thing is fraught with problems. Every every way I'm looking at this, what they're doing right now, yeah, you can save some money. You could do some tax write-offs. You can do this. You can do that. But I mean, shit, if you're really talking about that, scrap the whole fucking thing. Take a massive write-off and just say, reset. But I know we're going to get to that in a minute. But that's that's why it's a shitty move. I get it. And I'd love for Greg to actually be on here, the businessman that he is, to talk about the business aspects of it. But I get why they're doing it. Creatively, it just sucks, amongst other things that they're coming up with. All right. So here's where I'm going to piss everybody off, um, or at least Dave and Ray. I want to establish, like everybody else has said, scrapping this movie entirely, I think is stupid. I think it's a dick move. I think that, um, yes, $20 million over budget, maybe they could make that back if this movie was being released in a movie. And it wasn't. It was being released exclusively to HBO Max, if it was released at all. So, again, you're counting on whatever that revenue for subscription and viewership equals. And, and nobody, we've talked about on the show, that it's a very nebulous number that we don't understand. I'll be straight up. Uh, outside of people like us who really have been following what's going on with Ezra Miller uh, and, and his behavior, people are still going to go watch a Flash movie in a movie theater. 1000%. I guarantee you, you're muted. I can't hear you. Uh, like you said, you said something that moved your hands, and I was like, Sorry, you can I'm disagree saying, with me. No, I don't disagree. I think people will watch it. I'm just saying, I don't think it's going to be like this exodus to the theaters to see Flash. He's not a name. No, but I bet, you, I, bet you it'll turn, it. I bet you it'll turn a satisfactory profit for what they want. I think well, it will. We, would like, the trailers come out because of all of the stars in it? Sure, but you could say the same for Batgirl. Can you though? My, my, my like, point I, is, I, I, I do, I, and I'm, who's I'm in not Batgirl? trying to be. I'm not trying to be belligerent about this. It's no, not no, even about you're who's... not being. You're not being. Right. You're not being belligerent. Yeah. My, my whole my whole point is simply this. And simply, I'll shut up again. My, simply this: when you see trailers and people in the movies, that's going to be what makes you say, "Oh, that's interesting." I'm talking about simply on the name of the character. People aren't going to run to go see Flash as much as they're going to go see Batgirl. It's going to take the trailers and the people in it. I don't think the the regular... You are really not, underestimating the popular popularity of the Flash. I not, you really are. It. I think you're overestimating it. No, not even a little bit. Like, yeah, I think so. It's, no, it's as, it's as ubiquitous of a DC character 
Like you're taught, if you think that Batgirl is going to generate more excitement than the Flash, I'm sorry. Like I'm not that. a DC guy. I didn't say that. I didn't say it. it's going to be more. I'm saying just looking at the name of the characters on a piece of paper, nothing else. And someone can say, I'm going to go see this movie or this movie. The Flash is not going to garner the type of level of stuff like Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. It's just not. Well, I don't think correct. to me. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But so if you're talking about Batgirl, which is what we're, talk, we're talking about Batgirl and The Flash. These are the right. two movies that we are we are looking at. Not right. a Batman movie. Completely like, agree. But that okay. was that, but that was maybe that's where my point got lost in translation. Nobody in the right mind would say that people are going to want to go see on the name of the character Batgirl more than Flash. My point was Tunney said that Flash will recoup costs. The cost differential of the movies being made, I don't think will make it. I don't think people are going to go see the Flash movie just saying, oh, wow, there's a Flash movie. It's going to take a lot of marketing and a lot of seeing the characters and a lot of tours around that they can't do because Ezra Miller can't be trusted to do anything but brush his teeth. So I just don't think it's going to make the money back, whereas you have a better chance of Batgirl making money back because the cost was less. Two years ago, I, I, Flash would have done it, but not now. I, so I don't here's think the so thing: is again, I don't think that either. Again, I think that you guys are one underestimating the stupidity of a public, because I, I really do. I you are underestimating the stupidity of a public, because again, if you look at in terms of commodities, and sure, on the strength of a name alone, the Flash isn't going to be like like it's not Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I honest Ray, I thought you were trying to compare no. the Flash film versus the Batgirl film. Not at I, all. I'm sorry, like those two names Not show up. Not at all. The Flash is going to win. Most people, honestly, and you know, Dave, you brought up Amber Heard. Clearly, like, do, does that stuff really like? It does, and I'll is, tell you. I'll is, tell you why, I, Pat. I, I will tell you really? why. Really, because she's making a comeback right now with the newly unsealed documents. So maybe you're wrong. I like, will tell you why. I don't think that Ezra Miller's news bites because he's been a shit. Ezra, maybe not. Ezra, maybe not. Years. But I will tell you this: when you've got the average population, people like you know my wife and all these women who I heard talking about the Amber Heard trial and the Johnny Depp thing, that's got a, a bit more of a, a gravitas to it as far as what might happen with Aquaman because there's more of the casual fans out there who are going to say, oh, that's the bitch who went against Johnny Depp, right? I'm not going to go see that movie. That, I agree with you that about Flash, and Ezra so, Miller may not be so, that big of a, a deal. And I would even go so far as to say, I would put Flash right up there next to Wonder Woman as far as like name recognition. I would. Yeah, I would too. To fans, yes. To people who don't watch this shit, no. No, I I think, dude. Uh, again, I I think. Oh man. I, I think you don't see how much the Flash permeates. Let's popular culture. What's the biggest right, thing? What's the biggest thing that's been consumed by the public that is nerd culture in the last fifteen years? Big, MCU. Big Bang Theory. Big, what's the biggest character from the Big Bang Theory in it's the all Flash. of I can, I can even say that. Sheldon's favorite character is the Flash. He wears a Flash shirt everywhere. And There's a lot of people who have never heard of fucking the most half popular, people we talk about. Yeah. The most popular CW show in the Arrowverse is the Flash. Like, and it's without question. So that, like, and I, I know you don't agree, Ray, um, but I'm telling you, man, like, the Flash 
has a bigger footprint than we give it credit for. Now, we'll see what the fallout is with celebrities connected, whatever. I think that there is an interesting, we and we haven't revisited the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing in a while, but there has been some recent stuff that's come out in regards to those two and stuff that's been unsealed that has really started to shift things in a different direction in regards to Amber Heard with a lot of folks. Whether you buy it or not, that's up to you. We could spend all day talking about the, this cut and what, what that's going to be. But the other thing that has happened, we talked about this, cuts have been quietly happening from HBO Max um, already. And it also has turned into the speculation train because that is the natural thing that happens. The speculation train gets full go with this. And the first thing that's happened is, you know, with HBO Max itself, there's been a, ta- a lot of talk of one going away from HBO Max exclusive streaming shows, uh, seasons of shows, uh, dropping films that aren't getting watched. Uh, and from that has also come talk of layoffs. And I shared an article from The Wrap talking about up to 70% of staff perhaps getting laid off from the HBO Max platform. And when we talk about where this is heading, that suddenly makes a lot more sense. But that's step one. Dave shared out um, Giant Freaking Robot, which I don't always trust uh, as a source source, because I think they're very much like the wrestling observer of, uh, of the nerdosphere, and that they, they speculate a Ooh. lot about things that Giant Freaking Robot... No, no, the other one? What was the one you said? Wrestling what? No, The Rap. Okay. The Rap talked about cutting 70% of the staff from HBO I was Max. trying to be a joke. You said The Wrestling Observer. Oh, The Wrestling Observer. We don't acknowledge him in this house. It's all right. That I tried to pull a Tunny. I'm not Tunny. I can't do it as good as Tunny. I'm sorry. But but um, giant freaking robot, it's speculated away, and I think it's reasonable speculation. I just uh, I'm not ready to to completely jump on board with that. And we can talk about those specific, but it it specifically talked about the possibilities of Harley Quinn, Doom Patrol, and Titans getting canceled as part of this, and that may or may not happen. And then there were some other possible cuts that were outside of the realm of DC that that popped up that are in our sphere. And again, this article is actually. The overtimer reporting on your non-existent wrestling observer, where our buddy Dave Meltzer was speculating that AEW, as uh, part of TNT, could be in jeopardy as their contract is coming soon with all of this Warner Brothers HBO merger stuff happening. That this could be uh, uh, a casualty of this three hundred dollar, three hundred billion dollar cost-cutting thing. Here's the first thing I, I want to acknowledge before I, I'll start with Tony on this one, and then we'll go Tony Dave Ray. Uh, cutting $300 billion from a budget and going through on that promise means that some things that we love are going to go away. I think The Flash, while its, it's time was up, all of the CW shows were getting cut ahead of this anyway. The Flash was the last lingerer. We learned that season nine is it, and as Tony said, it's time anyway. But... Like, like, there's some question as to, to how those cuts really happen and work. Things we like and watch, and things that other people like and watch that maybe we don't, are going to go away. Because you, $300 billion, that is a bold statement. Um, I, I think it's right to be worried about the shows that, that we could possibly lose. Uh, but I also think that, unfortunately, given what this guy has said, 
um, and I, I make sure I pronounce it right, Zaslav has said it's going to happen. Dave, what do you, or not Dave, Tony, what do you think um, in regards to cuts? And what, what do you not want to see cut? Like if something you could save one show, what would you say? Harley Quinn, no. obviously. Harley Quinn, I'd like that. Yeah, I've, I've actually... I've actually gotten started on that. I'm not through season one yet, but I'm a good dozen or so episodes in. Um, it helps that Kaylee is in there. Um, I know she'll never get married again, but neither will I. So maybe we'll make it work. Um, <laughs> look at Dave. I love to pop Dave like that. Is, is, was that I, a Big Bang Theory joke? It could be. It could be a Big Bang. That's my theory. Um, like like the Flash, right? No. Yeah. Like it, you mean like time travel like esque? Yes, but not quick. Um, Stop it, Ray. <clears throat> I was going to talk about The Flash now, uh, season eight ending that I finally finished, which was excellent. But I'll skip that and just go forward to if you describe the Discovery Channel in one word, what would it be? I'm not the right person to ask that question because that's a fun. Anybody? Anybody? Channel. Nature. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Patrick. You're wonderful job. And in nature, sometimes we have to burn it all down so that it can rise up and be better than it was before. Uh, really, Doug? That's that's that was that was the move. That's how we went. That was that was apparently the move. Don't play her hate, <laughs> Dave. I'm just trying. You seem to be getting a migraine out of this conversation. I'm trying I, to digest that okay. that whole thing. But what is Zaslav? Is that his name? I mean, basically came out Zaslav, and said yeah. said that they wanted to do away with scripted TV programming. As soon as he said that, basically every show that we give a shit about became in jeopardy. And I mean, like, I'll, I'll say if there's one show that I want to see retained, it would definitely be Doom Patrol. Um, but I'm a big fan of Titans. I know Harley's a great show. Uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's disturbing. I mean, it's with a merger. I think I said it to you today with a merger. There's going to be casualties. You know, that's just the nature of business. And and there's going to be there's going to be cuts. There's going to be casualties. We now know that this whatever network is going to be reworked into one grand thing so on one hand you got titans and then you've got you know fish breeding spawning grounds the next hour so it's going to be an interesting interesting thing but yeah it's 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 certainly disturbing to see what's going on with this and and his statement that we got to do cuts here 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 and here and what does that mean for our shows? And I agree, the giant freaking robot is not one of my, the ones my go-to. It's like, oh yeah, that's the most reputable of sources. But they actually, I mean, I had been talking to people the day that this broke, saying, I tell you right now, Doom Patrol is in trouble, Titans is in trouble, um, Peacemaker. I know James Gunn said it's safe. Bullshit. I don't think there's anything confirming that anymore. And I don't think that any show that we've seen on there with this mindset. We got to cut scripted programming. I, I don't think any of the shows that we really care about are safe moving forward. And that's sad. I understand the business aspect of it, but it just, it sucks. Like <laughs> that's the theme of this whole conversation. Ray, go ahead. And then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll weigh on kind of some, some thoughts and reactions there. So to answer the second question first, Titans is the, mo- is the one I'd save if I could. Um, because with respect to the Arrowverse, Outside of the Arrowverse and the other DC TV shows, Titans is the flagship. It was the first. It started everything. Everything kind of filtered off of that. So I think Titans is most important. Um, here's what I'm first of all, I want to correct all three of you. And y'all may not know, you may know, and just hadn't got to that point. But 
Discovery is more than just a Discovery Channel. Discovery as a entity owns HGTV. They own. Um, that w- that wasn't the question Tony asked me though. He said, "When you think Discovery, what do you think?" I said, "Nature." No. Right, but so, I yes. Wanna, I want to add. I just want to make sure that that's noted because that, that's important to my second point. My okay, second point is the thing that's wild to me, and I was a Discovery Plus um, subscriber. I still technically am. I just paused it for three months because I wasn't watching it. Um, I love Discovery Plus, HGTV, uh, Food Network, all these shows I watch regularly. I mean, Tony is the our resident chef, right? What's wild to me? He's our resident connoisseur. Never, yeah, that's it. Well, there you go. Yeah, not a chef, but still. Um, what's wild to me is I've never understood the point of having a merger and then cutting costs. I know that may be ignorant on my part. I acknowledge that. But deeper into it, specifically this one, I, I, my numbers are going to be off, so give me some grace with my literal numbers, but you get the point. Um, Discovery Plus was doing maybe 20 million subscribers, maybe less than that. HBO Max had almost 80 million subscribers. 96 HBO Max million. A, 96 million. Um, Okay, uh, let's go with 100 million. Just for that was be... that wasn't H- HBO Max's numbers were not 96 million. The combine the combined between the two, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the merger part, was the 96 million that you're citing. That was the combination. So okay, so 80. HBO okay. Max had, HBO Max was one of the fastest growing streaming services, which is why and and again we'll talk about this when we get to where they're heading, which is why it's interesting that they're deciding to scrap it. But b- between the two, they were coming up on 100 million subscribers combined. Got you. Got you. Why are we so worried? Well, I mean, I guess anything DC you can maintain to worry about, right? But anything that's not DC, what do we really care if it gets canceled or not by HBO? It, we've obviously seen other shows go other places. There's so many other ways and places for good TV to go, especially when you look at like actual network television. That's that's just a precedent that's been set already. Well, so, well, I'll get to that in just a second. Let me finish this thought real fast. Sure, sure, sure. It's, it's wild to me that with, with this merger, HBO Max is the scripted service, essentially, scripted television, and Discovery Plus clearly has the non-scripted television. But we're going to change our whole process to cater to the non-scripted when they're less of our base. It's weird to me from a business standpoint. To your point, People like Issa Rae, for example. Issa Rae signed a nine-figure deal with HBO. Insecure did its five seasons. Now she got a new show called Rap Shit. And she's developing some other stuff for the show. Do you know the type? Dave can talk about this because he's a lawyer. If they cancel Rap Shit when it just debuted, it's only had two two episodes. She's got this nine-figure deal. I can't. Um, she can't just go shop that to another channel when she signed a production deal with HBO Max. So, am I wrong in my thinking that that's probably where a lot of the the concern is? That these people didn't just say, "Here's my show. Let me give it to HBO Max." Most of the people who are working with HBO Max, the the content creators, the showrunners, and so so on and so forth, have signed production deals with this company, where essentially they work for that company. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. similar to it's very similar to like what Adam Sandler did with Netflix, uh, and, and a lot of those folks where there's a level of exclusivity rights to those programs. I, I also want to establish 
you know, Tony, Tony brought up the point, like, you know, what do we care about other stuff that gets cut? And you're right. Like we, we, as this bandwagon nerds group, like we have the shows that we love that we don't want to see go away. I, I don't know that it has been said anywhere that like nothing is being cut away from discovery, you know, discovery's family of stuff as well. The stuff that we have talked about here on this show, we have speculated about, right? Like, and that's the thing is right now when we're talking about the possibility of what could get cut, like stuff's going to get cut all the way across the board on these. And it's the streaming exclusive series that seem to be the thing. I don't think all scripted programming is going to go away. I don't think that um, all of our favorite DC show, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if two of the three, Shows that we laid out get cut, uh, but I would, I you know, and I, w- I would be sad, but not completely surprised if all three got cut. But it also wouldn't be surprised to see at least one of them survive, because there is an audience for the shows that we've named off, right? And honestly, if I were to pick one that's probably the most vulnerable, I'd argue it's Titans. But that's just me, because Doom Patrol uh, carried over a very loyal, a uh, loyal following. No, no different than Titans. But from what I've seen and understood, Doom Patrol's had the stronger viewership. Same with Harley Quinn. I, Harley Quinn would be the second most vulnerable, in my opinion. I think Doom Patrol's the if I were to if I were to pick one of the three, like these three shows are vulnerable. Which one do I think might actually make it? Doom Patrol's the one I actually think might make it. That's funny. It because the most. That's funny. It does, but it's also the one that's gotten the most positive pub. It's gotten the most positive following. It's gotten the most like it's made more news than Harley Quinn and Titan. Yeah, like Brendan Fraser's rec- reclamation project alone has been a uh, has been a massive swell of goodwill for that show. So that is all to say that it wouldn't surprise me if all three get the axe. I think there will be stuff from from the Discovery family that that gets the axe. You can't just gut all of of HBO Max. Uh, that's just that, that doesn't make business sense. And I and I wouldn't say like I would think it's going to be an across the board. And I think it's very similar as wrestling guys to what we've seen with Nick Khan in the WWE is that the only thing I think is really interesting is that there was no board of directors that, that said you need to make these changes. This is like Zaslav basically made this a self-imposed $300 billion trimming of the fat, so to speak that, that like he, he came out and said he was like unprompted, he was like, this is what I, what we need to do. And, you know, I think, I don't think there's anything that's not on the table to go away. I think um, they're going to rethink, and, and this is already something that this has been out in the news. They're rethinking, like, they're, 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 the direct-to-HBO direct Max streaming film thing is dead. They've said they don't want it, they're not doing it anymore. That, that, that's walking away, they're going to theaters, which made Mr. Villanueva's day as he works on his second Dune film. But um, that, and, and that's another piece of it that we haven't really talked about is about getting back into bed with the movie theaters uh, to help yeah. keep that business alive. Like that's another part of that is that, and, and I almost shared some uh, articles along that, but it was sort of like, that's a small part of the HBO uh, Warner brothers uh, discovery merger piece is also the way studios are trying to get back into bed with movie theaters to keep movie theater experience alive and keep people going to the theaters. For example, like I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure going to try to see bullet train in the next week. Um, Mm -hmm. And if it, uh, 
if it was available on streaming, I would have watched it day one. Like I'd been watching it on HBO Max. Almost went yesterday. Would really right. was like I was like ready to go, and then it, something came up, and I was like, damn it, I really want to show up today and be like, ah, fuck you guys, I saw Bullet Train, but it looks good. And then there's some really strong entities within HBO Max um, and within DC that I think they will they will continue to keep and and utilize and um, I don't know if exploits the right word, but I, I don't think their animation arm, at least in terms of making animated films. Is in, a, is in a whole heck of a lot of trouble. But so studios or just in general, like Studio Ghibli. And no, the, I'm talking. I'm talking Jones. about. I'm talking about the DC animation arm. Gotcha. Uh, is is strong. Studio Ghibli is it, like that's a deal they've made, but Studio Ghibli will continue on even if they don't have a relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery. They they will. Hell, I I bet money if that if that relationship ends. I'll see you on Disney. I, I that'd be my first pick is put you on Disney relationship with Disney. They've worked together before. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. So the future. the The other big news that that came out uh, was that HBO Max is is done. And Dave's already alluded to it that come next year, I think they're calling it what is it Warner Brothers Discovery Plus or WB Discovery Plus or something weird like that um let's get, let's get this article up here to see if i can find next summer it will combine right next summer hbo max and discovery plus will merge into a single streaming service um don't really have a name yet the company is considering a free ad supported version of the consolidated streaming platform didn't we predict all of this though haven't we talked about this for the last year and a half, two years, where, hey, eventually someone's going to combine with someone else, and then they're going to combine mm-hmm. with someone else, and it's going to be right. two, one against one, or one, one, and one. There's going to be only three. Like, we talked about this, and maybe this is a long right. game thing. Maybe this is a niche thing, right? Like, hey, we want to catch this square part of the audience because we think this is where our programming is going. But man, like we I, were talking I about, know, I know. you're right. We were talking about like the lesser guys. Like HBO Max was like in third place, right? But I mean, the third and place growing. ain't first place, Ray. It ain't first place. Yeah, but nobody. Uh, Think so, about uh, how much less it costs to go out and 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 make content that is not scripted. It's so yeah, much very, fucking cheaper. Spot on. Absolutely. I. It's just. It's it's. You you're a thousand percent right, but it's jarring to see. Amazon may not have the viewership as the other guys, but they got the numbers because you got Prime, you got Prime Video. Netflix been king because they kind of are the the pioneers the of this stuff, right? The OG yeah. of the stuff. Disney Plus is Disney Plus. Nobody's gonna touch that. Other than that, HBO was right there and they ain't been alive for five years. So it's wild to see them say, "Nah, son, we need a reboot." That's just wild to see that. Right. But you say five years, it's not, though. The, the HBO Max is basically the existence of HBO and the beautiful content that they've created before streaming was even available, where they were the it thing. They were Netflix before Netflix. Which even is makes my point bigger, because they already were... People, people paid to watch HBO on TV. You have to pay for the channel. It's not a part of any cable subscription. You have to pay extra for it. So to move to HBO Max, to move to streaming, to get just... more. If you if you had HBO, you got HBO Max with your subscription on whatever service you had it. Right. 
again, we're saying the same things. My point is, you already have content people care about. The only difference is now they can watch it online in a different field with different things that are coming there, right? It's, it's so it's so for HBO Max as a concept, regardless if it was on TV, it's only five plus years old. So to drop back and put on that is wild to me. No, it's not though. It's not it though. Is it's not on an online though. streaming service. It's not. It's like when Ford and Chevy came out with an electric car. Yes, it's different than what they've done, but you have the name credibility of having an existence before that started. It doesn't matter if it's in a different field, honey. If they came before it and Chevy came out with a with an with an electric plane, that's different than a car, even though it's still I wouldn't a, get a on a that plane either. It's still transportation, but it's a different type of transportation. Who's right? Who's wrong? We're both right and wrong, probably. I think you're both right and you're both wrong, and there's something that hasn't been discussed. There is, and Pat, you jump in here as well, obviously, but there seems to be a growing undercurrent of anti-streaming mentality that I see kind of starting to propagate itself a little bit. And, and, And you see this being talked about more that, too much of it is out there. There's too many shows. There's too much of this, too much of that. And I'm looking at this guy, Zaslov, looking at the where the industry's going and saying, people aren't as into this and the scripted stuff as they were before. There is a bit of backlash. We've talked about it with the MCU, and I know we're going to talk about it coming up here on this one, that there are more people now who are dissatisfied with the MCU than there were before. Right or wrong, that's just the way it is. And I think that has a bigger impact on what they are looking at than we might be giving them credit for. Is they're like saying, yeah, man, there's Netflix, there's Disney, there's Amazon. We're in fourth. We can't compete with these guys long term. Let's approach this differently. Uh, I know. Real quick, Patrick. uh, Listen, if you're dissatisfied, you're consuming the content. And if you're not consuming the content and you're dissatisfied, then you're a fucking wrestling fan. All right. So here's here's my thing. Um, anytime a merger takes place and a new CEO, CEO comes in, they're going to want to make decisions to make a stamp and a decision on the direction of the company that they're the CEO. I've been misspeaking, by the way. It's $3 billion. I think I've been saying 300 No, it's $3 billion from their budget. Still dumb. $300 billion would be like a blowing a up all of the companies. Yeah, right. So $3 billion, that, that was the first thing, the self-imposed act. This guy we have to also recognize is coming from the discovery plus family and is the one who's being put in charge. So there's already going to be a decision and a slant in that direction. Um, I agree with, with Tony in that this direction and merger is kind of a natural progression of what we've said is going to happen out of streaming services. However, I also think it's fascinating to me that this, strip it to the studs and restart this streaming or relaunch the streaming service in this image from what many has many have recognized as the fastest growing of the streaming services. Like that's the thing that's really interesting about HBO Max is that HBO Max was actually one of the few that was continuing to grow its subscribership. And so to see that that that, that the discovery part is 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 taking you know, the, the discovery guy is like, no, we got to we got to break all that down and we got to go to this model that's working on Discovery Plus with our little 20 million 
subscriber model. That is very interesting to me. It's not altogether uh, surprising when you, again, you look at what new leadership often wants to do. Uh, And so it does feel a little bit like throwing the baby out with the bathwater on what we're doing with the service. I'm more interested in how that is. I'm more interested in how this, this merged single streaming service is going to impact myself as a consumer and the subscription I already have. Because as Tony noted, I'm a subscriber to HBO. So because I'm a subscriber to HBO, I already have HBO Max. Does that mean that I will, like, will this just transition? Will the app just look differently one day on my television and I'll still be able to stream at the, at the cost? The, the people who were um, customers for AT&T, when AT&T owned HBO, they really wanted, as somebody put in a different article, your sweet, sweet data. So they actually made an HBO Max subscription part of a deal, a package that you could get with your AT&T service. Does that go away? Because I think it should. AT&T no longer has has a has a, a role in that. Uh, and I think it might. Uh, so the grandfathering piece is going to be really interesting. The ad tiers. Does my subscription pay for an ad-free tier? Or am I stuck with an ad tier and I have to pay more to get the ad-free tier a la NBC or a Peacock um, and a few of those other ones? Uh, those are the questions for me that I find most interesting. And then, of course, it boils back down to what is the content that's actually going to be available to me? The things that I loved about HBO Max uh, and loved from day one of watch, and we did a whole episode where we talked about the day one of watch, their hubs, the, their hub system on on the streaming service, I, I love. The Turner Classic Movie, the DC Hub, like all those nice and neat packages. Their their watch list system is shit. Their continue watching, watch, uh, watching system is kind of shit, but their hubs are awesome and make the content a lot more navigable to find, and I hope that they don't lose that. And, you know, when analysis like this happen, there's always a lot of hand-wringing as to what it all means. I, I think that it is, I, I think that it is a bit of a mistake on the part of Zaslav to completely strip it down the way that he's doing, but I get why he's doing it, uh, whether, you know, whether for good or for bad, um, it kind of is what it is. So we'll find out next summer. And I think we're going to learn more details before next summer. Like, I think that we're going to see more of that. We're going to learn more about what shows go away. We're going to learn more about what content stays. I hope they don't get rid of Turner Classic Movies. I hope they don't get rid of, you know, I hope that some version of the DC Hub continues. I hope that they don't get rid of all their original programming. Um, and I hope they continue to use the the HBO library to its fullest success. I never would have watched The Wire had I not gotten HBO back. For example, like I never would have seen the wire. So I hope they don't lose sight of that, but it's possible. I want to get to this last thing. Is that why you're a Ravens fan, Ray? <laughs> that was the wire? I've never seen it. Is, oh, it's no. Oh, I thought you said show. it. Oh. You really it takes place in, the wire. I'm pretty sure it takes place in Baltimore, correct? It does. It does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's very true to Baltimore. Like they were, the, a lot of a lot of the crackheads in the back, like in the back, in the there were those were real Baltimore crackheads, though. Like they, those weren't actors. Okay, so let's get to our final bit about this. Dave's been waiting all show, uh, because Mister Zaslav did a conference call, an investor call, where he discussed the future of the DC universe, and essentially, he had this to say about the future of DC movies. We're not going to launch a movie until it's ready. 
we're not going to release a movie and we're not going to put a movie out unless we believe in it. A lot of people think that had to do with um, Batgirl. Uh, And he also went on to say that there's been restructuring for DC movies as a whole. They have done a reset. We've restructured the business where we're going to focus, where they will be a team with a 10-year plan focusing just on DC. It is very similar to the structure that Alan Horn and Bob Iger put together very effectively with Kevin Feige at Disney. We think that we could build a long-term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of D.C. as part of what we're going to focus on quality. So what that means for this current slate of D.C. film projects that we just got all these trailers for, God only knows. Uh, that'll be interesting. And never mind that some of those existing projects aren't part of the unified universe anyway, like our Joker sequel, which we haven't really talked about the Joker sequel and we're not going to today, but uh, Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn is certainly a choice. Uh, is that, is that, that's official? That's well, that's the big rumor. Uh, whether, and it's, it's gotten so like, it's gotten a lot of outlet steam. So we'll oh, she's actually, really? she's actually been quoted as saying it. So um, I think it may have been confirmed. Dave, you've been waiting all show. Go. I think this is an absolutely brilliant idea. It's just 10 years too late. That's the problem with it. It, it, If you had, if they'd done this when they should have done it in the first place, then it would have raised like, whoo, what the hell are you talking about, Dave? No, it's the problem is that, yeah, it it is a, a fantastic idea. It just, impossible to implement right now for a lot of the reasons like you're saying pat where where do we hit the reset button okay we you know black adam's gonna uh, unlike our speculation about flash or aquaman we know black adam's probably gonna make money we know shazam fury the gods highly likely is gonna make money um if you're gonna reset this whole universe and start from scratch where do you hit that reset button do you can you use any of this current property maybe flash if you turn it into flashpoint maybe you could use that just blow everything up from there that's convenient but yeah I, I think the problem is and, and this goes back to what i was saying earlier there is this this backlash that we haven't heard before and I, you hear it on the mcu where I, I you know you read these groups on facebook just bitching about the mcu it's like it's like i, I made the equations like being in an AEW fan chat listening to talk about wwe it, it's it's a little ridiculous because it's like Okay, I understand that you're not maybe not into phase four as much as you were because you don't quite understand what they're doing and you're not seeing the similarities between phase one, two, and three as opposed to what's going on now. But yeah, there there's it, it's it's a different environment. It's a different structure. It's a different universe right now that you're trying to retcon this whole thing. Say, well, we're gonna make it exactly like Marvel did. That's great, but the time for that is probably past. And I just don't see how you implement that. You got to recast everybody. What happens? Yeah, what happens if if Dwayne Johnson's performance in Black Adam is is praised by everybody? How do you just ignore that? Or or Shazam and Zachary Levi and and what are you going to do? You still got to recast Superman. You got to recast Batman. Do you do you do something smart and say we're not going to tell origin stories anymore because everybody knows this shit anyway? But it's just, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a good idea. It's just, it's time has passed. And to try and do that now is just, you're going to try to do that now. But on the other hand, we're going to get rid of 
this streaming platform, which could we could have used to tell some of these stories and fill in some of these gaps at the same time. So I just I, I don't get it. It's 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 a pretty dumb decision in my in my mind, at least right now. What if the Batman is Ground Zero? You mean Pattinson's Batman and the sequel to that? I mean, what if we don't? Well, what then, if we don't that... know it? What if? What if we don't know it? And it was like, hey, we're cutting all this shit. This was awesome. That we love be... this. We want a grittier kind of more human feel of what it's like to be around superheroes, right? I think like, that's a... that, that would be that would be the way to go. No, that'd be a good idea because you're bypassing an origin story. And you're taking Batman in year one or two or whatever it was and saying, we're just going to move forward from here. You can bring in the Joker in the next movie and then start adding layers to that from there if you want to do that. that, That's the plan. They're bringing in the Joker in the next movie. That's fine. But you already have three or four OG level movies that are already coming out that have been marketed for that you have to stop. Black Adam is not from that generation. Shazam is not from that generation. So... I'm with you. That would be cool if they said they did that. But then, are we canceling those movies now? No, but one part of the timeline could progress faster than the other till we meet up again. No, no, they're gonna they're gonna recoup what they can off these other movies, reduce that three billion dollars they're trying to get, you know, to do that loss, and then they're just gonna start over. That's what I think they're gonna do. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't see how. Yeah, I don't see how you have branching timelines. Let's try and reconcile all this shit without a Kevin Feige guy out there to say, I'm going to bring all this together. And, you know, that's the big thing. Who do you who do you put in that role? Unless you're well, going to pay who, Feige a shit ton of money and say, can you do both at the same time? The guy who should have been in the role, nobody wants in the role, and that's Jeff Johns. He's got problems as well. That's why I said he should be in the role because he's over almost everything else. Jim DC, Lee? But he should, well, well, does he want the job? No. He doesn't. Um, you you keep touching on the superhero fatigue, and while I'm aware of it and I know it and I see it, I didn't realize how I didn't realize the level of it was until this past week. Um, I had to interview a guy at my job for an open position on my team, and 27 year old kid, real look nice, good looking kid. And we're going through the interview, and I try to make mine kind of lackadaisical and not too tense. And, you know, it got mentioned that I'm a big comic book fan. I think I had, like, a Marvel shirt on or something. And he was like, yeah, I'm a big Marvel fan. I said, great, we'll get along fine. He said, until Phase 4. Why? Uh, And he was just like, yeah, I don't like what they're doing. And I was like, for what? Yeah, it's misguided, Uh, but it's a real thing. It's It's a real thing. It's so weird. That I don't understand. I guess I understand. I don't agree. But to an even deeper extent, I don't understand why people are taking umbrage with certain things now. Well, that's another conversation. To the DC, to the DC's um, um, reboot, whatever. There's two things that don't make sense in that press release or that interview. Is we want to we in one in one in one hand he says. We're only going to release movies that are kind of the bigger budget movies that are going to make sense, that are going to make money and make sense for us. On the other hand, they say we want to kind of copy that the, the style that Marvel has done. Those two things don't mix because what made Marvel the, the machine it made was knowing that we have these smaller tier movies that build up to the bigger tier movies to get you interested. And that's why the original DC plan didn't work because they tried to do what he's saying do 
and put out the big movies, bing, bang, boom, because we can. So you cutting out smaller movies like Batgirl or movies like The Flash, which is still going to happen, whatever, these lesser tier movies that build up to these bigger tier movies is going to kill what you're doing. Because you don't have to do it like Marvel, Ray. I'm not saying do it like Marvel, but, but I'm that's, saying that's just what you are saying because no, that's not saying, but that's what they did, isn't it? No, no. So what DC did originally, I, I don't to, care about what DC did originally. I'm talking about what Marvel did. So Mar- okay, okay, everybody stop. Now okay. raise me at him. I'm sorry, Ray. I'm, I'm, I just need to explain my point, but okay, it's cool. Everybody take a minute. <laughs> hey, let's take a deep breath. I think what I'm hearing Ray say is that the Marvel model. And what got Marvel kicked off wasn't that they led, or that, and part of it was because Marvel couldn't. Let's let's Spot recognize yes. that Marvel did not own the rights, or yeah, Marvel did not own the rights to its biggest franchises. Like it didn't own the X Men. They couldn't they couldn't kick off with the X Men. They didn't own Spider Man. So yep. They couldn't kick off with Spider Man. So they had to take a look at what they had, and they're like, well, we got Iron Man, and we're gonna, and, and it was a risk. And Iron Man turned to this huge deal, but as as a movie. Like, that's not a, an A-tier, like, like really, realistically, Iron Man didn't become who Iron Man was until Robert Tenney Jr. took on that role and became who he was. And those characters, like, those movies were smaller-scale movies. They weren't epic, big-time, like, world-saving characters. The problem with DC, and I think this is a, a legit argument, is that the foundational characters within their canon all of them and i say this as a marvel fan we talk about the big three superman if you want to throw the flash in there superman now i'm <laughs> superman batman and really if you want to talk about it superman and batman wonder woman and then you know if you want to get down to the second tier that becomes the flash green lantern but the big three their scope has always been massive. And so honestly, if they're going to follow a model, and here, here's, the, here's honestly the way they should work, because it should be a Flash movie or, hell, this is going to sound odd, a Cyborg movie or um, one of these middle, not Green Lantern, Green Lantern's cosmic, and, and that's kind of a, a tougher sell. But if you're starting on the DC Earth, you start with them, and then you treat Superman or Batman the way they treated Captain America. Captain America was a linchpin OG uh, Avenger movie, and it was called the first Avenger, and was the launching point into, you know, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna you know, like Superman, should be your launch point into a Dawn of Justice, you know, Superman Dawn of Justice esque sort of thing into the Justice League. But you know, I think Batman would be like in the middle, so it's like one, two, Batman. Three Wonder Woman, some four Superman, and you're doing those threats if you're going to do something like that. Honestly, there's a different burden with those characters that Marvel didn't have to deal with when putting together the Avengers. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe made those characters bigger than what they were on the pages. Whereas I think it's the other way around in DC. These characters are such figures within popular culture. And they're and they're stronger and known entities that people really have very specific ideas. We had very spe- we didn't have a lot of specific ideas as to what 
that first slate of uh, Marvel movie, Marvel character movies are going to be. Every time they talk about making a new Batman movie or a new Superman movie in particular, people have an idea of what it needs to be. And I actually think that's what's hurting Marvel now is that people have an idea in their brain of what a Marvel film is supposed to be. And they're not looking at it as a new, uh, a new uh, origin for the next phase. They're, they're trying to make it the Avengers and it's not the Avengers. I think DC is on the right track. I think Zaslav is on the right track. Uh, I think that they just need to be intentional in their storytelling. I don't want it to be, I don't want the Batman to be the launching point of this new reality, just because I'm, I have said this for a long time. What have I said about comic book films and how, what, what doesn't work for any comic book film outside of like Batman, Dave, what this do I is say? Batman. This is Batman though. Said outside of Batman. What do I say yeah. about superhero movies outside of Batman? They all suck. No, just kidding. I don't know. What do you, dark what do you say? They're not supposed to be dark and gritty and miserable. And Batman is dark and gritty and miserable. And to make an entire cinematic universe over a dark, gritty, and miserable arc is challenging for an audience long-term. They don't see Superman that way. They don't see The Flash that way. Go ahead, Tony. What if they did it exactly opposite? Instead of having these smaller things build to this one big thing, they just said, you know what? What's our ace in the hole? What's DC's ace in the hole? Superman and Batman's relationship. We're going to build the whole thing around that. And the big time movies from Batman and Superman are going to introduce the tertiary characters. And that's going to lead to the other movies instead of the other movies leading to the big time. But movies. they just tried the that. opposite. They just tried that. Yeah, but, not, but, but, but yeah, but, but in a, in a, in a, in a, in a era where well, we okay, couldn't look. even get the actual movie from Zack Snyder. That was way better. I don't care what you no, say. No, Patrick, it failed, you're it failed Dave's because show, I think it was better if you watch it in pieces. Sorry, Dave, go no, ahead. It you're failed, much more it failed because they made them adversarial to each other and then brought them into trust each other. That's not what their relationship has usually been predicated upon. So let's go back to the relationship that we all know and love, and let's go through that storyline, right? It can be like Star Wars. We can tell that storyline and then go back and tell everything in between. You're right. And I think Pat's right. I think if you reboot this, you keep Superman and Batman and probably Wonder Woman as well out of it and build up around these secondary. Because, yeah, you're exactly right. Iron Man wasn't a top-tier player, but we could tell a convincing and compelling origin story about him the thing you got to remember is Mar- dc dc has the big players that marvel well, didn't have when they wanted to do it so why right. start with the tertiary when you can start with the well, original the other, to build the, tertiary? the other problem is i'm not going to go in and fucking build the austin theory without having no. them associated with whoever the fuck else is big the other problem is like it or not and people don't people want to say well why can't they just do it this way they are very different universes DC and Marvel are massively different universes. You can't just cookie cutter and say, we're going to fashion DC after Marvel. It doesn't work when you're dealing with godlike characters with very little on the street level for DC. You look at street other than Batman. Okay. Who else you got? And, and, and that's a big problem that DC is going to have is you can't make the same sort of movie because it doesn't work when you don't have the same sort of characters to deal with. Final thought, Ray. So the only reason I brought up Marvel, I'm not trying to say they need to do what Marvel did. I'm not trying to say that they can do the same things. The only reason I brought up Marvel was because the key that Marvel realized that worked for them was that they built up 
each character individually to the point where you cared about that character before you saw them with other people. And those characters, because of that, became enough to where you wanted to see them further by themselves. So when we look at how De- how DC did it originally, and I know we're talking about what they're doing differently, when they put all three of people, all three of the Trinity in a movie that was essentially, essentially supposed to be three separate movies into one, and then you go right into Justice League. There's no reason why I care about these people. Why do I care who Cyborg is? I don't care about him because I've never seen him before. But now I'm supposed to care that the world is ending and he's going to be a big part of this. Why do I, you know, at least let us understand who these people are. And then the, 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 the public will care and want and spend more money to see these people. You have the linchpins already. You have the three that people are going to go see always. If you build up your other characters around them, your Green Lanterns, your Cyborgs, your Flashes, your Green Arrows, if you have, if you build these people up, and then when you put them with the people you already know, the money's going to roll in more. And DC just wanted it all initially. So when I hear those two statements that he said, they don't match to me because you're not going to do it in a sense that makes sense because they're almost diametrically opposed from each other, those statements are. So here, here's my final thought on this, and then we're going to wrap this show up. As I see, Tony's throwing his hands up. He's all frustrated. He's mad at y'all. <laughs> he's not bad. He's not bad. He's not mad. Y'all, that's, that's always his pro- He protests a little too hard as he puts me off on the screen. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Regardless of how they tell this story, and we've talked about various avenues that they could tell this story and try to put together a unified universe. There's a couple things that they really need to do. One, um, don't give us an origin story for Wonder Woman, Batman, or Superman. We don't need it. Do like they did with Spider-Man in Civil War, where you just he's there, they find him, and we don't need to know how he became who he is. He just is. In fact, if I were to do it, they would exist and be doing their thing in the world as known entities. Like, we know them in the periphery before they show up in the foreground. Ring the bell, two, DP. Who, two, two. That's my fucking point! All right, lift up your thing. Everybody uh, agree with you, Tony. Everybody's agree with that. Two, as I try to finish the show, two, uh, whoever they put in charge, whoever they put in charge, they got to stick with. Them. And I know that the circuit, regardless, I, like everybody knows I hate Zack Snyder. Uh, but regardless of how I feel about Zack Snyder, he didn't get the opportunity to finish what he started. And so whatever his narrative was, we didn't get a completion of it because of the tragic events that unfolded with his daughter that forced him away from making the movies that he was making and overseeing that universe. So in fairness, maybe we ha- still have a sh- still have a DC universe if Zack Snyder's running it and it's just one that I would complain about. We don't know. But he was, he was at the helm for two and a half years and Warner Brothers pulled the plug entirely, went with a guy whose view and vision was completely the opposite and turned out to be a terrible human being as it was and really crumbled and crippled whatever opportunity they were going for out of a DC cinematic universe. They got to pick, they got to have their person. That person needs to be the person and they need to stick with that vision. That no change in halfway. If you're going to see it, you got to see it through if you're going to go with the 10-year plan. All right. That is going to be where we end today. Uh, thank you guys for all of your input. That was a heck of an hour, uh, an hour plus talking on Warner Brothers and Discovery. And I'm sure we're going to be talking more about it as the days go by. Uh, we're going to head out of here. But before we do, 
let's do our once around. Tell everybody where to find us. This week we'll start with the Reverend Ray Cash. Um, I normally like to say somebody else to follow instead of me. I can't think of anybody funny today, so I guess you can follow me. It's Ray Cash. All your wise Mysterio C A S H S and dollars. Why not, David Ungar? Yeah, one last piece of advice to Warner Brothers Discovery: Don't kill off one of the big three in the second movie. You can follow me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And PC Tony, Mr. Saturday Night. You can find me in Houston in a random parking lot kicking Ray's ass. <laughs> as as the great AJ Styles music once said, you don't want none. No, you don't want none. <laughs> Honestly, Ray, I don't get a chance to say it to you enough these days, but I love you, and it's great to see you again. You can follow me yes, at PC man. Tony, Twitter and Facebook. Love you too, brother. Um continue to listen to this show this is a great fucking show and uh dave and patrick do a wonderful job thank you for the bell i don't i actually don't have the bell i have very limited i have this one i got a lot of problems with you people (laughs) now you're gonna hear about it thechairshot.com always use your head that's the best i can do i'm sorry i don't i don't have the bell but I'll, i'll give you some i'll give you some Seinfeld. Anyway, you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday here on Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesdays, not so much. Patrick Hood, how did David Ungar do a Chairshot Radio? Uh, life has gotten in the way it big has. time this year. It has. Uh, this summer. But uh, So this week it'll be a 5 by 5 with myself and Aesop Mitchell five best and worst James Bond songs of all time. So love it. Love show. it. Yes. And then, and then on Wednesdays, you can catch me with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales talking some wrestling on the Greg DeMarco show. Thank you everyone for listening to this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Oh, and follow us on Twitter as well at bandwagon nerds. We are at over 40 voters now in the final of the villain draft poll. So please, please, please. If you haven't voted yet, uh, vote Dave's for Ray. If you haven't voted it. yet, vote for Ray. Fuck Platt. Yeah, Tmar. Dave, Dave's got Dave's got to extend that poll into the end if of the you day have Monday, complaints, so you that the we, real C so that we can't have uh, so we can't have C Platt win again. Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and speculate away on the future of the DC universe. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. <laughs>
Money, come in! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Oh, great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! I know, this is heavy.